Welcome to the Parish Art Museum podcast, where we aspire to provide opportunities for learning, sharing, and celebrating the many innovative and pioneering artists who call the East End home. Come back each week to find new and impactful experiences in the arts. Hello, and welcome to our third Friday Night's Live from the Parish. My name is Corinne Ernie, and I'm the Senior Curator for Arts Reach and Special Projects at the Parish. We really miss seeing you in person, but we're actually really happy that we can still connect with you through these weekly live stream chats and presentations. And for that, I want to uh, thank our sponsors who make these programs still possible. First of all, our presenting sponsor, Bank of America, as well as the Corcoran Group and Stephen and Sandy Pearlbinder. Tonight, I'm being joined by three special guests. Um, first, I will be talking to Catherine Librovskaya and Ursula Scherer from Optosonic Tea. And we'll be talking about a special performance that they curated back in September at the Parish Art Museum. They curated a immersive uh, performance with 18 sound and visual artists who immersed the building into really a, a special experience that about 400 people were able to experience live. So uh, as I said, first we'll be talking about the performance at the parish. And after that, we will be talking about what Optosonic Tea is up to now. And for that conversation, uh, they will be joined by Sarah Weaver from Nownet Arts. And they will tell us about some of the programs that they are planning now, including a, a special performance online that will be co-presented with the Parish Art Museum. And you will be finding more information about that on our website. So first of all, I would like to have a chat with Catherine and Ursula and just ask you, what, uh, what is Optosonic Tea? What do you do? Well, Optosonic Tea was founded in... 2006, I think it was, 2006 or 2007. And it was when laptops were like really becoming common for everyone. And, and there was a huge surge of people developing ways of doing live visuals. So first with laptops, but then of course it was also with all sorts of other means like slide projectors and, and film. And, it, and so it was more and more present in the world of experimental music performance. And we felt it was really an exciting developing form. And the music venues were inviting us, but they weren't giving us much space. So we founded Optisonic Tea as like a forum specifically focused on the visuals, because we found that in the music events, we were like kind of decoration for the music. And so we began this salon series where we would invite different people doing different visual practices who would invite the musicians and sound artists of their choice to join them. But the, the focus, the, the stars were the live visuals people. And so um, for the performance at the parish, you really took it to a whole new dimension where you really interacted with, with a whole building so we started talking about doing this performance at the parish and you came out and visited us and had, you know, a site visit. You looked around the building and started conceptualizing what you were actually going to do. Can you talk a little bit about that process? And, you know, when you started inviting artists, what were you thinking about? What kind of artists did you want to invite? And did you invite certain artists because you invited other 
artists? In other words, were you thinking already of, you know, certain people uh, performing together? When we came out to the parish, I guess there are a few things that were very stunning for us. One is that there are a lot of black walls and a lot of people who project are not used to black walls. So we, that was definitely something we incorporated that who can do their work without being always on a white screen? Who can project around the corner? Who can project onto a roof? Who can project into a space that might be not their usual way? So we really looked for people that were very adaptable to different situations. And we just loved the, the space and we wanted to make sure that it becomes one whole and not here one, one projection and here one projection, but really that it doesn't really matter who is doing what, it's about the whole all together. So when you were thinking of artists to invite who could project, were you then also thinking of what particular sound artists to invite or was that sort of evolving over time? Well, w one thing is that we also, we did two other events before like this with a, a, a huge amount of people, once for our 10th anniversary and another time as well. So we, we knew that it's possible to have like everyone form a whole. And in, so in terms of the audio, we collaborated with uh, Michael J. Schumacher, who has collaborated with us uh, many times before and who was actually our first host at a gallery, a sound art gallery he used to run called Diapason in downtown New York, in central New York, New York City. And so he kind of thought more of the audio people. And then, and then there were all these other limitations, the limitation of budget, the fact that we were able to get some funding from Switzerland, so we had a, a um, larger than usual contingent of artists from Switzerland, and you know, and 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 yeah, and budget limitations, so we couldn't have nearly as many people as we'd had other times in events, which were like, like our ten-year celebration was just a celebration with no budget. <laughs> So we had something like 50 participants or something, but it was also in the center of New York and everyone was from New York. So there was, you know, no transportation costs, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So what struck me when you actually came out with all the artists is sort of your democratic process and very conversation based. I saw a few artists just wandering around and hanging out and you know we were all like all right you know it's time to get started and and to figure out what's happening but it seemed like the artists really needed to sort of take in the space the architecture you know this the the environment and so forth to really kind of figure out where they actually wanted to be placed and you know who they wanted to be next to or the whole configuration so can you talk a little bit more about that whole process yeah i thought it was really beautiful how we were all there, we walked around, Catherine and I kind of showed where we thought would be great places to project onto. And then it just was really, like you say, a democratic process. Not even that we really asked for that, but it just happened that everybody in the end was happy with their spot. Everybody found a place that was not like the best place or it just really worked together. And I think that's what we appreciate so much about that community of people we are working with that it's such a friendly environment and 
we help each other. If I don't have a cable, maybe the other one has a cable and we just help each other out. And I think that's what really came across in that evening. Also with the sound, it just like blended with each other. And everybody had a spot where they were highlighted in their own way. You can see in this picture, actually, Shelley Hirsch, who is a singer. What was really beautiful, I found also was that, you know, the... Um, the artists interacted amongst each other, but also the, the audience was able to interact with the artists and, you know, ask questions or actually experience what uh, or how the artists work. And, and I thought that was really special because usually you just see a finished artwork inside a museum and here you saw the whole process of art making outside and, and where the building and the audience was actually integrated. Yeah, I think it had a lot to do with, with the people we, we did end up selecting. And we also had a lot of discussions with Michael. For, sometimes we would suggest people and he would say, well, I'm not sure about that person in this kind of environment. But Or sometimes we would pr propose a whole list of like 10 people and he'd say, well, these four I think would be great. These others might be complicated. So... We did, we did have a lot of thought. We did put in a lot of thought of who would be great for the situation. Right. And there were also some really nice coming togethers, I would say. For example, Laura Artman, who we just saw briefly with the violin, who was in last year's Whitney Biennial. And um, she's from a Apache tribe. And she actually um, met for the first time Shane Weeks, who is from the Shinnecock. Shinnecock Nation out here in um, Southampton. And uh, so they kind of uh, met and improvised a um, collaboration for that evening. And I thought that was really beautiful too, that musicians or performers who had never met before were able to meet and perform together. Can you talk a bit about others that paired up like that? Maybe also visual and sound artists? Well, I think we had a, a lot of overlap. For example, Ursula and I often, when we, most of the time in, or when we did the Optisonic Tea Salons, we were the producers. And only when we do special events did we also participate as artists. So most of the time when we've done special events, we do kind of combined projectors, projections where we feed off of each other. So there was that, but right beside us was Benton, who was doing similar uh, black and white things. So there was like this whole black and white wall, which is which was really beautiful. And then I think uh, Shelley and Marsha were kind of playing more or less together or in, in, in alteration. But in any case, they were cooperating and they were side by side. Who else? And Laura Ortman. Shelley and Laura Ortman. Oh, Shelley and Laura as well, yes. Right. And then um, we had some artists actually set up in the lawn from a distance and they uh, projected onto the south wall and the, the roof. Um, and that was then visible from, from the street. So we got a lot of people who commented that they were driving by the parish and they saw uh, the parish immersed in, in these um, light spectacles. So um, that was Lovid, right? But yeah, Long Island-based Lovid. Yep. So you're very, very, the very own, the very own from Long Island. Right. And can you talk a little bit about um, the sound? So we, we talked mostly about how people were, you know, placing themselves to project. But what about the sound? Because 
ultimately we had to decide where to put the loudspeakers and how it was all being mixed mixed together. Michael was the the mastermind of that, and and he wanted uh, to have speakers. Well, so did we, but but Michael has a specialty of of, of multi speaker environments, and and so he thought out actually with people helping him a way that the speakers would be almost all around the building, so that everywhere you were, you you could hear the music, and and otherwise. It was a system of, of musicians coming in and out of, of an improvisatory mix of being everybody at the same time, but they were strongly encouraging everyone not to all play at the same time, but to sort of take turns, you know, coming in and out of the general mix. And I would say quite a lot of the musicians also knew each other. I don't remember exactly all, but I think a lot of them knew each other and they really they just feel each other, what, when to go in and out. Right. Can you, uh, and also, I mean, we, we um, had a sort of permanent sound installation that Michael had put together with the sound artists, but also with the visual artists talking about their work. And we had that up throughout the summer so people could really listen to um, the sound and the process and also the thought process of all these artists while sitting on the benches on the outside of the parish. And that was sort of a nice way to lead up to the actual performance in, in September. And it just um, added another element to um, the whole project, which I thought was really, really beautiful. Well, actually, the, the, the original salons, when we started them, when they were about once a month, an important part of them was a discussion at, at the end of each evening. And usually the evenings would be two sets. So, so two live visuals, people would be invited and they would do about a 30 minute performance each with the music or sound person of their choice. And that would be followed by a discussion that, and we would always invite someone to lead the discussion. So sometimes a theorist, sometimes a curator, sometimes an art historian, sometimes an artist of a different field or a different generation. So the discussions were really important. So it was nice that um, we got to do with Michael this other part of the event because it was like preceding the event by a discussion and, 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 and people's thoughts, which was always part of Optisonic Tea, so it was wonderful. And I think that really uh, shows in the performances. It, it really feels like... As, as a holistic thing, as, as a, um, a process where, you know, many voices are kind of coming together and congregate. So I, uh, I would like to move on to now, because we're in a very, very different situation. Makes me very, very nostalgic to look at these um, images of our beautiful Herzog and Demrand building, which right now we cannot use, both indoors and outdoors, but hopefully soon again. But I want to talk about what are you doing now, now that you are confined to the screen, to a two-dimensional two you know, performances and so forth. And uh, then we can maybe also segue into uh, what you're planning with Sarah. And, and Sarah, you may want to talk about what you're actually, what you're doing with NowNet Arts. So now that we're all in confinement, we thought that it would be great to do an Optisonic Tea special event for confinement. And 
the way to go and what everyone's doing now is something like this, like a webinar. And so we've been in touch. We got in touch with Sarah Weaver, who is the founder and director of an organization called NowNet Arts, which specializes in network performance for years and years. So this is not a result of confinement. This is her specialty and which she actually earned her PhD in not far away at Stony Brook. Stony Brook, right? <laughs> yeah, Long Island. Okay, Sarah, can you tell us more about NowNet Arts, what you're doing, what you're planning in these, you know, how has your work changed um, over time and especially in this time? Yes, hello. Uh, so network arts right, is a, an emerging field. I've been involved in the research uh, for about 15 years now. And uh, it's just been really in the uh, past couple of years, we've started to be able to bring this out more into public spaces um, as uh, bandwidth and technology uh, increases um, beyond the uh, research setting. So that was uh, how we founded Now Net Arts. We've been running an annual festival, an annual conference, and I'm also the editor of a research journal, uh, Journal of Network Music and Arts. Um, so this work is really the result of a, a community of uh, specialists, and uh, now Net Arts is also then you know taking this into arts spaces and now uh, into the home. So <laughs> the work has changed in recent times where network arts is not normally practiced from home environments, uh, from the home internet, home internet connections, uh, just because of the technology uh, that is involved, uh, including bandwidth, quality of service, internet configurations uh, that are specialized. So we have launched an online performance series uh, just last month uh, in response uh, to the pandemic, and also a daily lab uh, we've been running to develop more of this technology for the home. And uh, we have been successful in uh, running Zoom events. And uh, we also have some other technologies, including uh, Jack Trip, uh, which is a network audio uh, open source uh, technology out of Karma at Stanford um, that we can run on uh, higher bandwidth internet connections at home. So we're uh, working with what is available now and also converting some technology for the home environment. Uh, so really happy to have this opportunity to work at uh, Optisonic Tea and Parish uh, Art Museum to further this work together. So um, just quickly, does it require for the viewer to have special technology? I would imagine the people performing will need a special technology, but what about the viewers? Uh, can anybody watch uh, your performances online? Yes, yes. So the, the receiving end you know, for the audience can be heard. I, I recommend headphones uh, for the sound. Uh, that's always uh, best at home, unless you have a, an amazing stereo speaker system that you've hooked up to your computer. Um, but otherwise, yeah, headphones is best. Um, otherwise, you can also just listen to your uh, computer speakers. Okay. And um, so what are you planning with Optosonic T and that we are also going to co-present on April 26th, right? Yes, yes. So we have a community of artists that have been involved with NowNet Arts for a while. So we are uh, a collaboration uh, here with Optisonic Tea. So bringing these communities together with a, a open call for contemporary artists uh, to participate. And also leading up to the event, we're offering training uh, for artists uh, to um, optimize their uh, setups for this event. So I'm curious uh, to hear from <coughs> Ursula and Catherine, how do you sort of transition you know, from these live 
experiences to the screen? Because I would imagine that for some of the artists that you work with, this is easier than for other artists. And how do you help them transition? Well, I, I think that the event we have in mind is is much more like something like we did at the parish or our big special events. So I think we will invite whoever is interested to participate. And then also maybe with Sarah's help, maybe not only the labs, but maybe we'll be able to send out some kind of instructions to tell people what to expect and how to prepare. For example, yesterday I was just part of a online performance that was hosted by Sarah and oh my God, it was so different than what I expected. I had no idea about all the challenges that I would face to do something that I imagined was much more. How was it different? What were the challenges? Uh, well, just to get things to work in the screen, how you, you know, you, you work with a webcam, a webcam is not a great camera. For visuals, it's difficult because it's, I don't know, my, my first difficulty was that my performance computer would not connect to Zoom because it has an older operating system, which I need because I have an older performance program, et cetera. So just so then there's delay always, both in sound and in image. So that's also something to work with. So we're definitely going to work on something where synchronization is not important. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's one very big difficulty, like synchronizing cues and synchronizing sound and image is, is very, very difficult. And synchronizing two musicians playing, it, it's all very difficult. So are you saying this is more improvisational or, or maybe Sarah, you can talk more about that? you know, the technical aspect or how it all comes together? Yes. Well, there's a long uh, history of developing strategies for this medium and uh, just, you know, thinking about uh, network arts as its own medium uh, with its own uh, settings and parameters that can also be an opportunity for a new expression. Uh, so in on the musical side, what uh, Catherine is speaking about is there's a slight delay. So you have a musician one location, another location, and you may not be able to play a steady beat. And for people, if that's important, then that becomes a, a challenge. Uh, but there's a lot of contemporary music that uh, is built on layers of time and different ways of using time that does not require that steady beat. So that's a type of sound that works better in this uh, environment, for example. And uh, as Catherine found out in her project, right, working with color was maybe a, a different <laughs> in, in this type of environment with the uh, equipment that, that she was using. And so there's, but then she was able to create maybe a different direction than she initially thought, but um, something that at least I felt was uh, very successful. So I think it's just kind of tuning into uh, this environment and creating for it. Somebody else is asking, Kate Schwarting is asking, are there opportunities for video and visual artists to get involved? Yes. How? <laughs> yes. Will there I, be a? Well, go ahead, Catherine. I, I think we haven't gotten there in detail yet. We've only we've only started thinking about this a couple of days ago. So. So you mean about the specific event on April twenty sixth, or in general? Yeah. About the yeah, but most certainly, especially since you will be participating, the parish museum will it'll be possible to post updates on on the parish website. I'm sure. Absolutely. We'll post it on our website. But can you talk a little bit more about what that project looks like? What is, how is it 
conceptualized? How is it conceived? Who's participating? What does it What does it look like on our screen? I think it's going to be many, many windows of people doing different things all at the same time. So you mean you have a lot of little squares on on the on the screen where you actually see people? Yes. Yeah. And do you have something like where you can actually tune in and see somebody closer, up closer than other? Like for example, what we're doing now, you know, that you see the person who speaks on the big screen. Tell us a bit more about the whole event. What you know, who's participating? How how this is going to be organized? We hope to have eight hours, and that means also a big span of time zones, so that more at the beginning probably will be more European based or probably European-based at first and into North America and at the end more back into New Zealand and Australia, we hope to get in as well. There are now some people. Yes, yeah, so big uh, time zones become a factor. So the timing of the event, we're trying to pace it by um, location. And you have, so you have participants from all over the world. Yes. And I think we'll, yeah, we'll send out a call and, and explain what it's possible to do. Depending if, if we get a huge response, we might ask, we might limit people by time zones and say, you know, that people from North America or I don't know, between 8 p.m. and 10 p.m., et cetera. And, and we don't know that we might not have such a huge response. And then people could stay on most of the day if they feel like it. And, and for music and uh, sound, I mean, Sarah already has a, a very big network of people who occasionally participate all over the world in events she organizes. So I guess that'll be the, the first pool of people she'll draw onto. But again, we, we will probably put out a call. And then there'll be instructions of, about how they can participate. Right. And, and Sarah, you were talking about a lab. So does that mean that artists who want to participate but may not have the technical means could get help from you or instructions of how to? Yes, yes. So uh, NowNet Arts is uh, presently running a daily lab, uh, seven days a week uh, at 12 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, all are welcome. You could uh, contact me for the sign-in information. And if that time does not work for you, uh, we could also make an appointment. That's wonderful. And I think that's really great because it's going to enable a lot of artists to participate who would normally not be able to participate. So I guess this time, and I think that's what we see, what we all see is these times during the virus and the confinement is really forcing us to learn new tools, to learn new technology very, very quickly. And um, it's great to know, you know, the help that is out there. Yes, yes. And this is a, a very a connective medium. So uh, this is definitely a time to, for artists to connect and express these times. Um, so we're happy to be of service. And, um, you know, you were also asking how is it different? So I could also talk about another experiment that I just witnessed. It, it wasn't even public of different people doing visuals, getting together on Zoom and through webcams. And, and what that gave, it, it was, a, a you know, like, a lot of what we do with Optisonic T ends up being forms of projection. And this on a computer screen, it's not projection anymore. And what I saw a lot of people, visualists playing with was more taking the environment, which is captured by, by the webcam as a puppet theater. 
so it, it kind of, it, it also um, suggests a, a completely different approaches to live visuals. So in, in, in that particular evening that I was participated in, you know, people would be moving around like tinsel paper with different colored lights in front of their little screens. And that worked like really great in this medium. And, and I'm not sure that it would work so beautifully on a very large projection in, in a physical space, or it might not look as beautiful, let's say. Or. Right, right. It's also interesting how then the analog comes back together with the digital. Sometimes some, I mean, I know myself, I can be a bit worried about too much digital, but I like the connection with the very analog. I mean, even much more analog than we often do, what Catherine just said, literally just a light and a piece of shell coming into the digital, so we can hand back, have back that, that connection of the old and the new, and that um, the culprit we're on. So you kind of go back to the basics of performance and, and marry it with sort of high tech. Yeah, in a way. We have a question. Um, will you allow interaction with the audience in any way, similar to how the viewer interacted with the art at Optosonic Tea event at the parish? I mean, I think that would be beautiful, but I don't think it's possible. But Sarah, you, I think you can talk more about that. <laughs> well, unless there's chat, of course. So I, maybe the equivalent is chat. So if it's an open chat, sure. Yes, that would be the main um, forum. Uh, unless we had a, a portion of the hour that we uh, had, had an interaction with the audience that could come on and, and speak, that could also be included. So we could think about that. Right. Is there anything else you would want to tell us about the the performance on April 26th? I don't want to cut this short, but you know, I'm happy to keep the conversation going. Yeah, I think it's really great to look at something like this with very, very open eyes and just new like letting new ideas in and not being not even comparing it with something one would see in a concert space or what we saw at the parish, for example, or anywhere else, that this is just something totally different. It's not about, oh, I like it better when it's in the space. Yes, it's just something else. But just to see it as what it, what it is and not comparing it to what could be different. And I'm actually excited. We've never done anything that covered uh, many time zones around the world that's that, that that's really exciting you know usually we have we've had different people different disciplines but never different time zones so this is really cool and actually never different geographic locations at the same time either so this is really exciting so will the audience know where the people are playing from or that's not visible or that's not going to be announced we have to think about that i don't know maybe maybe it could appear in the chat maybe we could be commenting and saying oh here is so and so from luzerne switzerland who just appeared or because you know in the windows on zoom you have our names below but it doesn't say where we're from or we can ask people to sign in you know putting sarah weaver in new york city for example that, that could be another way We'll see. Often we list it on the program also um, on the website. We'll put parentheses where the person's located. Right, right. I would like to ask each of you what, um, what are the biggest challenges of working 
in these times of confinement and what are the most unexpected rewards from also in these times? I'm in the middle of moving, so I'm mostly surrounded by boxes, towers of boxes. So in a way, I'm doing something very different, but I probably would do it the same way if there would be no corona. But I like, uh, in a way, I like to just be in my own space and not even have the, the feeling I should go out or I could go out, but it's just like, that's what I do. And I don't even have my video equipment. I have nothing here except one 35 millimeter camera. So I'm really, yeah, I, I'm really, really reduced to writing if I want to be artistic or with that camera. And it's, it's good to be just very limited for once. Yeah, I'm also actually, life is, is not so different from normal life because usually I, I, I live and work at home. So what's different is that there's no visitors, no outings and no travel. But when I'm in periods where I'm working on something, I'm very much like life is now. And again, just without the outings and, and the visitors. But when I really have to work on a project, I don't go to many outings and I don't have many visitors. And then otherwise, I find it actually, so far I've been finding the pause, I, I've been appreciating it. I've, 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 I've found it relaxing, but you know, ask me about it in two weeks <laughs> or in three or four more yeah. weeks, it goes on. Yeah. But for now, it, I've found it to be a, yeah, a nice pause. And where, you know, since I always work at home and I am at home, I can continue working on anything there was I was working on. So Here's a question. Do you find the audio environment different now and does it inspire you, the audio environment of the city? It is certainly different, yes. I guess, I don't know if I would use the word inspiring, but it is definitely influential um, that we really feel the the silence and feel the tension and uh, it is I think for me maybe also brings into the the challenge one of the challenges is really is feeling what's what's going on you know the pandemic and one of my responses was to start to compose a requiem, a um, requiem but yes for, a requiem for, uh, for this time yes yes but also it's called requiem and interconnection uh, because really it's both, you know, that we have uh, this devastation, but also this opportunity of interconnection. Right. But yeah, as to the sound, I actually hear birds, which I never hear, like right here in downtown Manhattan. I, I hear birds. Every time I walk out on the fire escape, I hear birds, which you never hear. And I think that can be very inspiring to to any sound artist or anyone I want to give you all the uh, uh, the opportunity to make you know some last statements or if you have any more questions before we say goodbye and uh, move on to the video. Well, I could say I hope you join us for our event on the 26th. And I think for us, it's especially important as, as a community gathering event. And we hope you experience it that way because obviously none of us will have been working with this media long enough to present anything super polished working fantastically with this me uh, with this medium for you so uh, a lot of, of the concept is like kind of let's let's gather people in confinement all over the world and get together in one place 
I think that's the motto for this time anyway. You know, even if it's not perfect, let's get together, let's come together, let's communicate, let's 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 feel, you know, the presence of each other as much as we can. There's one question, how many participants, I guess, will you have on April 26th? We don't know yet. I mean, that's, um, uh, we can't say as many as possible, but yeah, I think we have, we can definitely have quite a lot, but we haven't, we have to talk to Sarah about that. <laughs> no way. <laughs> and we actually, we don't know what the response will be. You know, we, we can put out a call and right. people... One one more person is asking, have you been videographing outside in New York or stay confined? Confined. Confined. Yes, me too. And I'm yeah, I'm concentrating on something else right now than on shooting video. <laughs> it's interesting how this has really um sort of catapulted many people inward. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, I wanna thank you all so much uh for joining me today and let's Keep doing it. I hope everybody who's watching now will join us on April 26th. That's a Sunday. It will be an eight-hour performance. Uh, we will post the details on our website, parishart.org, or I guess any of your websites. And stay safe, stay healthy, and stay sane. And uh, we are going to leave now, but we will show you a video um, from the performance at the parish. And we're also going to post the link to the video. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for having Thank us. You.